Friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fifth Community Show. Welcome to the Fifth Column Community Show. Uh, usually there's more than one person talking to you. Right now there's only one because the host of this illustrious show is currently peeing. We, we have been talking about artificial intelligence. Um, implications for the universe at large of a sufficiently intelligent um, AI. And that has left us here with the host going to take a slash. Um, apparently she is thinking about why it's a bad thing for the universe to go dark as she sits on the toilet. Imagine doing that kind of philosophy sitting on the toilet. And she has returned. If you can successfully imagine doing that kind of philosophy sitting on a toilet, then you have an insight into my life. You're welcome. So just just start. Like it's it's fine to start in the middle in the middle of things in media rest, as the Latins, as the Romans called it. <laughs> okay, stop laughing so I can I can put you on the spot immediately. Please. Ileana, what is artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence is the ability of computers to learn from environmental cues and adapt their behavior accordingly. What do you mean by environmental cues from the perspective of a computer? The um, observation of things, objects and actions that happen around them. And how are they observing these things? Um, uh, it's a great question. Um, they are taking in inputs that either people provide, that either humans provide purposely or that they take in from video sound, um, et cetera. Okay. Um, I presume Ileana will have given a preamble to this conversation, um, but let me give a post, post preamble, which is that post this is a conversation, put in a, well, no, because we still have to amble. A post <laughs> preamble, which is that we are going to be talking about something <laughs> that neither of us know really anything about, um, as Ileana just demonstrated very well. Um, but wow. Um, but I think there is, so we're going to probably focus on just the philosophically interesting parts of artificial intelligence rather than how the computer gets the inputs, um, if, if that's okay. Um, yes, that's okay. And, and part of the problem with this conversation is that if anyone is like attuned to conversations about artificial intelligence, at least for me, everything that I say, I will be 
basically just plagiarizing from smarter people. Um, and I know, since you run this, do you get emails from people like about episodes with feedback? I have anything? never gotten an email. I would love to get an email. So please send me emails. Okay. Thank you. I, I hope people send emails because they will be furious about this because almost everything we say will probably be wrong. I would but, love to get a furious email. Okay. So the invitations are open. Um, so let me try this. So I have two definitions of intelligence that are relevant to artificial intelligence. Um, the first is from Eliezer Yudkowsky, who is mental and brilliant, but um, in this context, he- And really, really awkward, but that's why I love him. Yeah, he's one of the more awkward people that I've encountered, but like, I, don't, I don't even think he graduated high school, but- He didn't, nope. Yeah, yeah shout, out to, shout out to Eliezer, but so to him, like in this context, intelligence is, of course, like being able to achieve goals, um, but he would like refine that to be like, I think the quote from him is squeezing the measure of possible futures higher in your preference ordering. So basically, as like you're funneling toward um, the desired outcome. Um, <clears throat> excuse me for my cold. Um, and then uh, I.J. Good in 1963, um, this isn't intelligence specifically, but he, I believe, was the first to describe an ultra-intelligent machine. Um, he wrote a paper titled Speculations Concerning the First Ultra-Intelligent Machine, again, in 1963. And I read this paper the other day, and it's pretty hilarious. But uh, this is a quote from him. Let an ultra-intelligent machine be defined as a machine that can far surpass all the intellectual activities of any, of any, many, this, is, this is almost certainly my fault, of any, many, however clever, since the design of machines is one of these intellectual activities, an ultra-intelligent an ultra machine could design even better machines, there would then unquestionably be an, quote, intelligence explosion and the intelligence of man would be left far behind. Thus, the first ultra intelligent machine is the last invention that man need ever make, provided that the machine is docile enough to tell us how to keep it under control. Do you have a mm. reaction to either of those? Um, the or, first is already so or is it already sounding science fiction-y? It's not sounding science fiction-y. Um, the immediate reaction that I have is that I have heard the phrase, the last invention that, you know, humankind will make um, used contemporaneously. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's cool to know that it comes from what, this was in the 60s? 1963. 1963, that, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I also have some quibbles with Yudkowsky's 
definition of intelligence, um, which does not necessarily, you know, I think I think we may be talking about different things. Um, to my mind, intelligence is the ability to adapt to one's environment in such a way that one can accomplish one's goals. And is that at odds with what he said? I mean, taking into, taking into account the environment and all possible circumstances, if you're, I mean, just the image of a funnel, like is the easiest way for me to visualize it. Like the more closely you can funnel like the results or, um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish towards your goal, isn't that at least closely related to intelligence? I suppose, yeah. I don't know that the notion of a goal as a goal occurs to everyone all the time. Um, and I have to preface this, like when I think of intelligence, I, I think of really young children um, who very much live in the present. So young kids is the population that I work with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. These are not people, these are not people who think about the future. They think about the present. Um, they're also not super intelligent machines. But they are, they are super intelligent machines. Okay. You, you've said something that I have absolutely nothing to say back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it, it, so we can TLDR this entire podcast that uh, super intelligent AI already exists and it is in the form of the children that Ileana is uh, <laughs> re rearing. <laughs> Except that they're not. A, they are N, right? They're not artificial, they are natural. Um, mm. Mm, and actually, no, I mean, to the extent that artificial intelligence is the product of human action, children are definitely the product of human action. Um, you know, they can be the product of nothing but human action, um, though that action is not always purposeful and goal-oriented. Okay. Um, anyway, I feel like this is splitting hairs a little bit, so. Yeah, I feel like we're splitting hairs on bio biology and we need to be talking more kind of silicone-based intelligence. Sure, sure. Um, so, how do I transition from here? Um, so Sam Harris um, post, religion interests got really kind of deep into AI questions and I've found him fairly interesting on most of this. Um, so just to say explicitly, the people that I am plagiarizing from, if I, if I say anything smart on any of these topics, are, are one, Sam Harris, um, two, Eliezer Yudkowsky, and three, Nick Bostrom, whose uh, book Superintelligence is um, if, if, if you think there are no concerns to be had about artificial intelligence developing into the future, 
um, you should read <laughs> because it will. Can we do, do you like cursing on your own podcast? Yes, we curse okay, amply and plentifully. Okay, well, well, that that cunt will fuck you up. Um, and it's it's kind of a more computer science type book, but there's a lot of very interesting stuff in there. But um, so Sam Harris gave a TED talk um, a few years ago, and he first like was addressing this question of whether it's possible for us to create a super intelligence, meaning something that is beyond human level intelligence. So uh, something that would stand in relation to us the way that we stand in relation to worms or ants. Like I think people without getting specific understand that we have more however you're defining it, intelligence than worms or ants. Um, and sure. then, you know, apes, apes are closer to us, et cetera. But some people seem to have this instinct that we are at the peak. Like there, there is nothing that is possible beyond wherever we are. Um, so he, in this, in this TED talk, he, he gave basically like three prerequisites for there. It's, he gave three things you, that you need to find, have a problem with. Um, and if you have a problem with none of them, then the thing we're talking about will happen. Okay. So um, I think I, I, I wrote these down, so I may be quoting directly from him. But um, the first is that intelligence is a matter of information processing and physical systems. Um, okay. We are a physical system and we can mm -hmm. process information. Um, we have already built narrow intelligence into our machines, and we know that mere matter can give rise to what is called, quote, general intelligence, which he defines as an ability to think flexibly across multiple domains. Um, our brains are just atoms. So right. um, if, if we keep developing, you know, intelligent machines, computers, however you want to call them, the rate of progress doesn't matter because any progress over a long enough period of time, the machines will surpass us. Um, the second thing that he said was we will keep making progress. Um, and I think this is totally obvious just given the value of intelligence and the value that we place on it. Um, intelligence is the source of everything we value or it's what we need to safeguard everything we value um, from curing diseases to understanding economic systems, climate science, etc. So we will keep improving our artificial intelligence or you know machines and there is no, I think the word he used was, there was no break to pull here. Um, we will just continue to do this. And the yeah. only reason we wouldn't would be something worse. Like we're struck by an asteroid. There's a pandemic that kills everyone. Gotcha. Um, you know, so long as, as long as we are here and have the ability to improve, um, 
our, these physical systems, we will, um, given the value that we place on intelligence. And the third thing, which is the one that I already mentioned, is that we don't stand near the summit of possible intelligence. And okay. that seems to be the one that whenever I've talked with people about this, that seems to be the one that they, they have the hardest time with. Like they will agree that, oh yeah, computers will keep getting better. And they'll agree that, um, you know, intelligence is a matter of information processing and physical systems. We, our physical systems are made of meat. There's no reason yes. to presume that they must be made of meat. But the issue of whether we're at the summit of possible intelligence, people seem to have a problem with. How does that strike you? This is very interesting. Um, I don't think that we are at the pinnacle of possible intelligence. Um, I also don't think that humans are exceptionally intelligent given um, our physical construction, the environment in which we live, etc. So, um, you know, the, the fact like until very recently, people used to think that we are the only species that, that transmits information to, uh, that transmits very specific information to their young. Um, we now know that's not true, right? Crows will teach their babies uh, the faces of uh, humans who have harmed them to the extent that the crow babies who never had a negative interaction with a particular human face will recognize that face and be negatively disposed towards it. Um, you know, elephants pass on the knowledge of uh, secret watering holes to younger members of their troop. Um, and these are things yes. that until recently we, we didn't think was possible, right? Because humans have language that we as humans recognize as language and we write that down. Um, so we used to think that we were special in that way. And, and it's pretty clear that we're not. Um, but, but you seem to be describing that, like if you consider like a curve, um, mm -hmm. if we stand at the top of the curve and I don't know, a, like a unicellular organism is at the bottom in mm -hmm. terms of intelligence, mm -hmm. you, seem, you seem to be describing that the things in the middle of the curve have moved closer to us the more we've learned about them. Mm -hmm. yes. However, what, what I'm asking about is beyond us. So if, I mean, to, to make it in it totally like trivial, if like the average human IQ in the way that we understand IQ is a hundred, just for sake of argument, okay. uh, what, what we're talking about with a super intelligent AI and what it would be like to interact with such a thing is what if it had an IQ of 6,500? Like, do you I can believe see that, that, that is possible. possible? I believe that that is possible. Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. 
My one caveat, and this is something that I've been thinking about. Um, hmm. I'm, I, I'm not actually sure how this affects our discussion. Um, uh, I always get suspicious whenever the concept of relativism gets introduced in any discussion. Um, however, I, I don't think intelligence as a concept is relevant or even valid in a vacuum. I think that intelligence is always inextricably tied to a particular environment. Um, cockroaches do not exist in the same environment as humans. An artificial intelligence would not exist in the same environment as humans. So, How do you define an environment? I think I'm defining environment as the, the types of actions that you need to take in order to survive and reproduce, the types of materials writ large, energy sources that you need to consume in order to continue to exist and reproduce. Okay. A silicone brain in a vat necessarily exists in a different environment than a, than a human. Mm. Would you not agree? I, well, it, my problem is again, like sort of with the words that are being used here. So the idea that it would be one, a brain. Okay, two, fair point. In, in a vat, um, the vat part in particular. Right, that's, this, this, this yes. is, this, this, please, you know, this please is a see Bostrom, Please see <laughs> Nick Bostrom's book about the idea of building an AI, a super intelligent AI in a box and how you would keep it there which you 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 wouldn't <laughs> right um, right i mean like the the simplest analogy is is like i mean people people will say things like oh if, if it starts doing things that we don't want you just turn it off mm. They're like neil degrasse tyson has said like if i would just shoot the computer if it started doing things i didn't want and that's a bit like asking like why haven't chimpanzees turned us off it's like you're you're talking about something right. that is to totally. It, it, it's like not fully registering what it means by super intelligent. Sure. So even saying it's a brain in a vat, like brain is, I have less of a problem with, but in a vat um, suggests you can keep it somewhere. Sure. Um, I mean, it, the resources that it would use like and I think it's slightly different from the cockroach thing too because presumably if if we're not just utterly reckless we would program values into it so sure unlike the cockroach we would want to have some control over its quote-unquote environment I think in the way that you're using it okay I mean, the cockroach controls its environment to the extent that it can, right? Like, 
Yes, but we had we had no we don't have a say in that. We humans do not have a say. Your definition of environment. Right. We humans do not have a say into how the cockroach controls its environment. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, we also did not create the cockroach. Yeah. Well, none of us created any of us. Well, that that came out wrong. Sure. In a way that in, in a in a species way. <laughs> but, Correct. Yes. Sure. But so that that makes this somewhat different. Um, but okay, we, we we can go down a rabbit hole just like definitions. But can this I, can I, this went can I, super far afield. Yes, please please yeah, redirect well, that conversation. We are, we are ostensibly still talking about smart computers. I will just remind the audience. Thank um, you. I can. Okay, so a couple of. AI related things that I've always found funny and are kind of like the culty extensions of things that people think about AI. Have you ever heard of a gentleman named Anthony Lewandowski? I have not. Okay. So he, I, I don't remember which company he was working for. I think he was working for Uber. I don't know if you, you may have, you may vaguely recall that there was some lawsuit between Uber and a company called Waymo um probably like five or six years ago he was like a, a computer engineer that worked for one of the companies and was accused of like stealing insider information and giving it to another company anyway okay. i promise that's not totally relevant but um in 2017 he started a church and the church was that called figures it, i'm sorry well, well okay <laughs> I'm not even going to ask what that means, but he started. Yeah, search. don't. Um, what does that mean? Nothing. Carry okay. on. He started a church. It was called the Way of the Future Church. Um, in the paperwork that was filed with the IRS, uh, Lewandowski was listed. His title was listed as the quote dean of this new religion. Okay. And he also served as the CEO of like of the nonprofit and the founding documents of this church um, stated that their activities would focus on quote the realization acceptance and worship of a godhead one word based on artificial intelligence developed through computer hardware and software and quote, initially targeting AI professionals and laypersons who are interested in the worship of a godhead based on AI. I'm going to read you more quotes from him. What is going to be created will effectively be a god. Lewandowski, this, um, forget the article I'm lifting this from, but so I'm going to include a kind of narrative bit. Um, what is going to be created will effectively be a god, Lewandowski tells me, in his modest mid-century home on the outskirts of Berkeley, California. He it's lives in a, a modest mid-century home on the outskirts of Seattle. Sorry, carry on. No, Berkeley, California, I guess. Um, it's not a god in the sense that it makes lightning or causes hurricanes. But if there is something a billion times smarter than the smartest human, what else are you going to call it? And then he said, if you had a child you knew was going to be gifted, how would you want to raise it? We're in the process of raising a God. So let's make sure we think through the right way to do that. It's a tremendous opportunity. And then he said uh, of, the, of his flock, 
each member is a pioneer in the AI industry and fully qualified to speak on AI technology and the creation of a godhead, says the IRS filing, which is just a hilarious detail that godhead is showing up in IRS filings. Um, I can mm. give, I can TLDR on what happened with the church. The church closed in February of this year, and oh you'll no, pleased, you'll be pleased to know that the entirety of the church's funds, which was exactly one hundred and seventy-five thousand one hundred and seventy-two dollars, were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is which is useful, <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. so so the reason I spell all this out is because they're there was kind of like a culty view of, of AI that I think is separate from whether it's true or like whether this is a thing that will happen, which I don't know if I've given this away, but I think it will. Um, I think so too. Yeah. And he, like, that is like the rosiest version. I don't know where the word Godhead came from, but I would like to adopt that too as a euphemism for something. I think um, Godhead is somewhat frequently used by Protestant religions. Yeah. Uh, like I've certainly come across it before. Yeah, I, I call my, well. Um, okay, Who do well, you then, call a then, Godhead, Brad? No, I think I we need no, to I, know. I call John Thomas Godhead, <laughs> for those, just to be explicit. Um, but then on the other side, Elon Musk has said that with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. So there are two, like there's a, that kind of captures the full gradient of people's views who think this will happen. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a very long-winded way of opening up a question to you, Ileana, which is, if this, since you, it sounds like you do believe this is going to happen, like that there will be a, I'll put this explicitly, that there will be an artificial intelligence that stands in relation to us the way we stand in relation to things that are lesser than us and will be intelligent in like, in a generalizable way across, you know, think flexibly across different domains and make us effectively useless is not the right word, but it's like a synonym of the word I want. Um, are, does that concern you? Like, do you, is that, do you have a rosy view of that possibility or do you have a negative like where where are you with concerns and um, like what are what are the upsides and what are the downsides that come to mind? My so my immediate first answer is that okay look on on everything really I tend to be an optimist. Um, call me Pollyanna. Um, I don't think that there is anything in the recorded history of humanity that points to the fact that we are susceptible to an extinction level event. Um, there have been numerous technologies, breakthroughs, 
that humans have stumbled upon that could have been extinction level for the species that have not happened, right? Fire. Um, what percentage? What percentage of species that have existed still exist? I do not know. Um, I think it's. I think it's under one percent. Species die all the time. It's yeah, kind of in the order of things. Okay, I, I was just trying to get where what angle you were going to with. There's nothing in recorded history about an, an extinction level event. So, Are you talking about us or species? Like, no, no, I'm talking about humans specifically. I have okay. no doubt that at some point a human species will die out. Given what we know about the rate at which species tend to die out, like that's undeniable statistically. Um, and, and why is it that the presumed future existence of a very smart computer is related to this concern? I do. I don't know how a super smart computer is different from, say, fire. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know if I can answer that because I don't know if I agree that those two compare. I mean, I think the concern is that, like, you as an a wonderful ethical person. What? You, maybe okay yes yeah depending on the day um <laughs> if you are if you are walking along the side down the sidewalk mm -hmm. and you see a worm uh-huh and you see it you presumably step around it or over it yes okay. sure my my are, my kids do not but that's a whole different story yeah well you're yeah but i mean okay so at least one of the three of you are not moral monsters. So sure. Um, yes, I'm not a moral monster. Right. My kids are, are oh. moral monsters. But carry yes. on. Yes, you're doing you're doing great work there. Um, but if you are building a house, you're not looking for worms. That's true. You don't you don't care. You if you stop and think about it, you are killing all manner of living things. That is true. Simpl yes. Simply because they are like, even though morally you, you may be opposed to the intentional killing of living things for any number of reasons, you, at some point, like you have other goals and you are not going sure. to completely jettison those goals because there could be 12 worms in the place that you are trying to construct to house your family. That is true. Yes. 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 Sure. Okay. Okay. I totally, I, I swear that was the perfect, oh, you were talking about fire and um, you were trying to draw a comparison between a computer and fire. Right. Hold on. I, I want to, I want to make a clarification about the worm comparison. Um, Sure, I may be killing countless worms. That isn't leading to the extinction of the worm species, though. Okay. Um, 
Okay, I would grant that. Um, however, that is this too. I there there is a a disagreement here that I I don't know that I can parse out. But if okay. like we don't have the power to kill all of the worms. Sure. Yes, we do not. Okay. So, but if if there was something of sufficient intelligence and like physical capability and i'm not this is not a terminator thing it's just something that has goals There's, it's not even malicious like in the same way that you're not maliciously killing worms when you are building the foundation of a house if something has sufficient power and capability and goals that fall out of alignment with us um it could Yes, we, it could. We, we could, yeah, it could kill, it could create an extinction event. And that would probably be true. It would probably take the worms with it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm not sure what we've agreed on, but I think we've agreed on something. Okay, so I, I was at, so we were, I think we got here because we were talking about like a rosy and like, scary views of like if we both accept that this will happen sure yes um, i sure i i can ex yes i can accept that a super intelligence um that is not bound by the constraints of carbon-based life forms um that i i can accept that that will happen at some point yes Okay. Um, do you find it weird that you you can you can say that, and if you're like me, that feels like nothing. It feel like it feels kind of interesting, but just not. It just kind of like rolls past you, mm -hmm. in a way in the way that I think this was. I don't remember if this was Sam Harris's point also, but like. If we got a notice that aliens were going to arrive in 50 years uh-huh right and and we, like we would be preparing and that would be more actively on people's minds whereas right. what we're describing is like aliens or effectively like godlike aliens of our own creation that we both agree will arrive and it's just like okay how do you how do you view like what happens in your own mind when you like take those two because i it's, i have the same problem i think it's a super interesting question it's like when you're flying in an airplane you have no control over what happens it's it's a completely unnatural condition for a species, right? You are flying in the sky at unimaginable speeds um, based on, you know, um, undeniable concepts of physics. You have no control over what happens to you. Does that cause you distress? There's nothing you can do. I think it. I, I appreciate the analogy, but I think you think about the fact 
you think about those things more, then there's a there's a thing coming that we will create that mm-hmm. will either depending on how it is created will either be the end of of us or the greatest thing to ever happen and that like i think when you're in the plane you're aware that you're flying and uh-huh. and like you 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 can understand why you know even if you understand you understand the physics and the lack sure. of control you have okay. And similarly, you and I lack control over the development of artificial intelligence. Correct, yes. But the consequences of the two are very different. And you, if, if you're like me, when you're flying, you're much more aware of those consequences. And even when you're talking, like, I only think about artificial intelligence when I think about it and the rest of the time I don't think about it. And when I do think about it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting and cool. It's like hard to marshal any kind of appropriate response to what could be the end of everything or the like the, the cures to all diseases and the greatest possible happiness one could experience and the colonization of the universe and mm-hmm. like it's it's just everything is on the table mm-hmm. and that is just like okay cool and if if i told you it, like the the people like in the field like when you ask them when this will happen you'll get like answers from anywhere from 5 years to 200 years like i think it averages out to like 50ish so okay. there's like a non-zero chance that the thing that we're talking about in appallingly unscientific and <laughs> bullshit terms could, could happen in our, in our lifetime. Sure, yeah. And does I feel nothing. I also feel nothing. I, I don't know that there's anything that I can personally do about it. Um, I mean, well, well, I'm not asking you to solve this. Right. Thank you. I I would um, hope you wouldn't because I, but I I mean more on like an institution level, a government level, um, like the, there's a notable lack of conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. It. Maybe um, it's because they know they can't do anything about it. <laughs> well, th- yeah, well, th- they, right now they couldn't, um, but like that's another concern that given the value of intelligence, like this, I, again, I think I'm lifting from Sam Harris here. Like if, if, if word leaked out that like Google had this thing, mm-hmm. this super intelligent AI that was about to deploy, mm-hmm. it would it would make perfect sense for for every country with nukes to nuke California. Would it? Tell me why. Absolutely. Tell me why. Because it would it would be it would be like an oracle, and it would be the perfect weapon of war. Um, 
it would be, I mean, it, like whoever like has this thing first, um, kind of wins everything in the term, like, and there are, there's the closest computer science thing I'll say is that like, it, when you compare just the speed that of like neurons to um, computers, there, there's a million times speed difference. So sure. if Google, if Google launched a super intelligent AI and you let it run for a week, it would have done 20,000 years of progress. Like on, on whatever tasks you, you direct. Sure. I, I'm mean, perhaps. I'm, I'm willing to grant that, but I will have a caveat once you're done with your, um, with your assertion. Okay. Well, if, if you ask, if you had this tool and, and it was, even though it'd be difficult to have in a box, but if somebody possessed this, it, and I don't know what you're going to disagree with me about on the 20,000 years, which is really distracting me, but just from a war making perspective, like by the time it would take like the, another an adversary to decide to fire a missile, it would have had weeks to think about what to do about it. I mean, it gets, it gets, the time scales get very weird and. Sure, sure. And everything I just said was bullshit because I'm just thinking about how you're going to have a caveat on, <laughs> on, on the math. So please just give me that. Well, I mean, my caveat was that I'm sure the first person or the first group who could with some effectiveness control fire inspired the same thoughts in the neighboring groups who couldn't control fire. And yet we, we have persisted um, as a species, which look, the fact that we have endured through the through numerous momentous technological advances doesn't mean that we will endure in perpetuity, right? Mm -hmm. But given what we know, there's also nothing that points to the fact that we are uniquely incapable of figuring out a solution. Um, okay, um, I have to call bullshit on everything you just said. Okay, please do. Okay, because this is just a math question. If, if you have, if you operate at a million times the speed that I do, well, I mean, you, you're smarter than I am, but let's just say we're the same level okay. of intelligence. Mm -hmm. But you go, um, you are a million times faster. Okay. That you, you win by definition. I win at what? What do I win at? A anything. You, you would have, like, in the time it would come up with me, like, in the time it would take me to ask you any question about anything, like the seconds, you would have years to think of, of the best answer and research and do, you know, experiments on it. So like, it's kind of analogous to, 
it, it's like thing the way the way in the same way that like no human will ever beat a chess a chess playing computer ever again. Mm -hmm. Fair. Okay. You you would be like that to me. Life is not a chess game. Yes, but it is when the domain of capability of the thing we're talking about expands in a general way and is flexible to all aspects of life. You are assuming that the goals of this domain of capability are in direct competition with human goals. They, I, I'm, I'm not assuming that they are, but it is difficult. It, it is I don't know what the word, what is it, what is a word for beyond non-trivial? <laughs> like to pro to program sure. values that are in alignment with ours so that we just have this God like sure that you know will just act as like a hedonism god whenever we want or a like medicine god whenever we want or a mm -hmm. um will just create happiness minus whatever philosophical philosophical objections you have to happiness for us. Okay. Like to create that is is like the most I think the most important challenge that we will ever face. So it's not that I presume that it's we're like not in alignment. It's just the amount of things that like you you only have one shot to get it right basically because it, it will take off at a speed a million times like what we could do from its initial state some of what i just said were words mm. all of what you just said were words some of those words convey different classes of meaning than others, okay. but, but, okay. Well, but that's okay. You, what, let me just give you like a state, a state of the art okay. on the chess point though, okay? Okay. So uh, chess computers are su superhuman, we'll never beat them again. Um, Othello, which is apparently a game that you probably played like as a child in Romania or something. No, um, I didn't. We didn't have Othello. Okay. We it didn't have Nintendo like or hot it, water, it, so. It, yeah, no, but Othello doesn't require either of those, so I just figured. We still um, didn't have it. Whether you had Othello or not in Romania, um, computers are superhuman. Uh, backgammon, uh, a human will mm -hmm. never beat a computer. Add it again. Checkers, okay. the same. Sure. Scrabble, the same. Mm -hmm. Crosswords, uh, I think uh, there's not really a beat like in, in crosswords, but they the computers are now expert level at that. Okay. Um, bridge, um, the computers are equal to the best players in the world. Okay. Jeopardy, they're superhuman at. Poker, sure. which is the one that I care about, mm -hmm. most, is getting scary close. Um, okay. Like it's almost going, the game is almost going to like be over, especially online. But, right. um, and then Go, which is, I believe, the most complicated game like known sure. to man. Sure. Um, the computers are now superhuman at. So the yes, these are all games, but the the more generalized, like outside of games, that the machines become, um, 
it's it's I don't know I'm still I'm still just going back to the the fire thing it's like where do what is our role if we can't beat beat is the wrong word but outperform something at anything what is what is the what is the purpose what is a worm's purpose if it cannot out defeat a human at anything so you are a worm in this uh-huh okay i think we can close on that <laughs> iliana is a worm and happy to be one i mean look what so all of the uh, the games that you have mentioned so far are extremely constrained environments where there is a finite number of possibilities. Even if that number is astronomically high, there is a finite number of possibilities. I think life very broadly understood is the ability to exchange resources with your immediate environment in order to survive and reproduce is an entirely different order of magnitude. I'm not saying that um, an artificial intelligence organism wouldn't be able to do that, but if it did, it would be on such a different plane that it would be like humans compared to worms. We've killed lots of worms. We haven't eradicated the worm species. Sure. Um, but you can give comp, just to il illustrate in the dumbest possible way why this should still be concerning for a, as an extinction level event without, unless all the planning in the world goes into getting this right. I think an example that Elon Musk has used that sounds so stupid, it sounds like a joke, but is still true. If you had a super intelligent AI and you gave it the goal to eliminate all spam, like all spam email. Okay. You, mm -hmm. you, need, to, you need to program into it that destroying the planet and all everything that lives on it is not an acceptable solution. Sure. Okay. Yes. And, and once you once you grant that, and you take the most ridiculous case, and you narrow that more and more, you, you realize like all of these things need to be figured out before the the quote unquote thing is active or living or whatever. And I mean, like, there's another part that we haven't talked about, which is the fact of whether it's conscious or not right is incredibly important and i think and how do you define consciousness right like yeah i mean i mean I, I think if it's if it was if a computer was at least human level intelligent we would sort of just lose track of the question like we would lose interest in whether it's conscious um but that really matters if there's any risk that our species, like if we're the only species that we know is conscious and 
we could disappear and the thing that we create is not conscious and mm -hmm. we just turn out the lights on the universe that is that's not the greatest um eventuality but i've heard you say that before and i'm still curious about why that carries emotional weight for you what turning the lights out on the universe uh-huh why does it matter? Um, nothing else can matter. I mean, if, if the universe, if there was no consciousness in the universe, there's no universe. Hmm, okay. You, so... there, there's no, I mean, I, mean I, I understand the objection could be, well, it's still there but there's nowhere to stand to say it's there. Right, there's there's nothing to experience it. Yeah. And I mean, I we, you know, I think we did a podcast on uh, UFOs and stuff, which mm -hmm. by the way, I need, since we didn't do the follow-up one, I need to throw in the Eliezer Yudkowsky point. Please that I think do. I shared with you. Please. Because he's so brilliant and when I, it's very rare that I read a tweet that I'm just like, oh, duh. Um, <laughs> Eliezer Yudkowsky in the aftermath of the UFO kind of report made the point that um, if you don't believe that super intelligent AI is either possible or likely to happen, then you get all these weird conclusions like if there are UFOs, there's living things inside of them, like there's aliens in them, which I don't know if that will connect with other people, but when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, there wouldn't be anything inside of them. They would just be machines. Right. right. Otherwise you're, you have to like invent other, you have to like make more difficult physics problems to get something alive in there, like wormholes and the ability to sustain G forces that are impossible and stuff. It was just like, it would just be a robot that would be sent out by the AI into the universe to scout out mm -hmm. stuff. Great. Um, I don't, I was going to say something before I made that point, but I don't remember what it was. So, okay. So, so an AI wouldn't be alive. That's what I heard you say. Oh, consciousness. Uh, oh, no, you were turning out the lights on the gallery, turning out the lights uh -huh. on the Uh-huh. I, I almost don't know how to respond to that because I don't know what else they're, what, I, I almost I don't know what you mean why that's not clear. If if the lights if there was no consciousness in the universe, mm -hmm. what is there anywhere? Do dolphins not have consciousness? Do crows not have consciousness? You're chanting. No, no, no. You're you're. That's changing the question. I mean, <laughs> is it? Because, yes, it is. Because if if the point is, if there is a human level extinction event, we can just extend it to animals. Like, I, I doubt the AI. That's a heck of gonna, a jump, though. Like, we're just no, no. assuming that the AI would, you know, uh, would like burn everything, right? It would depend Why on what would its it goal is. 
if it, if its goal we is don't to know make, what its goal is of, of course we don't but which is why we need to be careful but if the goal <laughs> is to if the goal is to eliminate spam right and one way to do that is to destroy the planet that would necessarily ruin the dolphins correct dolphins don't send spam though so why would it choose the most costly solution the most resource intensive what? solution right like these you're, are you're, all no okay not right no <laughs> okay how come? um let me find let me find a better <laughs> let me find a better um fake scenario um on a long enough time horizon like if how do i say this god we're, we've really entered the absolute twaddle stage of of this conversation that's um, right just grant that it's possible that, first of all, if, if the reason that I, I don't grant the dolphin thing, which I love that I'm talking about dolphins in this context, we don't know that they are conscious because we don't understand consciousness and where right. and when sure. it arises. Sure. So let's okay. just talk about what let's just talk about what we know. Okay. okay. Sure. So I, I know you are conscious. I don't know that, but I can presume it because I am. Right. Right. Okay. And because and I say, look and behave enough like you that that's a reasonable assumption to make. I, I don't know that I would go that far. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you you say things that make me wonder if you are conscious but um i take that as a compliment just, thank you it is just grant that like if let's just say humans are the only species that are conscious for sake of argument if humans disappear okay, okay. and the ai that you and i agree will be developed barring something worse happening if that is not conscious then we are aware of nothing in the universe that is conscious. And absent that, the universe does not exist. So you're saying that if a tree falls in a forest and the one hears it fall, it did not fall. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying, because if, mm. if there's nothing that could even, it wouldn't be possible for anything to see the tree. There is no tree. So if something isn't perceived, it doesn't exist. Does, does it, how does a rock feel about the universe? The rock doesn't feel about the universe as far as we know. Yes. It's just there. It is. Yeah. It's there. The universe, the, the universe would just be there. And the only reason that we know that the rock is there is because, because we perceive it yeah sure because we're conscious yeah sure so if there was no consciousness the lights go out what could be sadder everything beautiful and terrible that has ever happened or that ever could happen okay the lights go out on that and instead it is a it is the universe is populated by 
like this the conscious equivalent of a toaster spreading throughout the universe sure can we title this episode toasters <laughs> throughout the universe yes please i think that's great um hmm This is a very interesting point. I feel, and I cannot justify this rationally, but I do feel that regardless of my, or my, um, you know, analogous species mate, being there to witnesses, witness it, I still think the universe would exist. And I actually find that very comforting. What is there to take comfort in? The fact that my, I'm sorry, Shushu is, you know, my youngest daughter, Shushu, who is four, um, is definitely can, there to witness everything, but. Can, can we bring, can, actually, yes. can we bring Shushu in here? Do you want me to, I can bring Shushu in here. Um, let me see if she'll join. Let, let me see if she'll join. Sure. What should I ask? See, see if, okay. See, ask Shushu if she's willing to answer a question about the universe. Okay, please hold. Shushu declines to answer a question. Okay, so what you were saying about the universe going, we were talking about the universe going dark. You said you take comfort you would take comfort in the existence of the universe, even if there was no consciousness there to experience it. So my first question is, what the fuck are you talking about? The second question is, who is the you in that sentence that is taking comfort? And where are, and third, where are you taking in all this comfort as you gaze out upon a cold, dead, dark universe where nothing is experienced. What the hell are you talking about? These are the all very, yours. Thank you. Um, these are all very valid questions. I am aware that I can only speak for myself and I can only speak for what is now. I don't really have any control in a cosmic sense over what happens next. Um, but I do think that things are, whether or not there is a consciousness to experience them. I, I don't know what that says about me from a philosophical standpoint. But I myself in the present moment with extremely limited amounts of control over my immediate environment and my immediate life choices. I actually find it comforting to know that whether or not I am here in the next second, um, things are, 
do you and, find comfort do you find comfort before the big bang yeah i do um i that's a great question actually um it's a weird answer before anything existed and before there was time you find so, comfort so okay in the hebrew bible the word the phrase for what you're describing is tohu vavohu which means null and void but i particularly like tohu vavohu because it you know it rhymes um, that is something that necessarily describes an absence of everything else. Yes. Um, I do find that comforting. Ileana is comfortable in the void. The fact that I am not consciously responsible nor could I possibly be for the fate of the universe, the evolution of the universe is actually very liberating to me as Ileana, a human living in the Lord's day of whatever this day is. Um, it's a very narrow view of yourself and your own power. Perhaps. It's narrow, but it's very narrowness is very liberating. Because, okay. because the less responsibility I assert for whatever comes next, the more freedom I have to simply be concerned about my own solipsistic interests. And the rest you can presumably Google. Sure. Can I can I share an anecdote about my nephew who is now 16 and way too cool to talk to, you know, anyone over the age of 16. Um, when he was eight, though, um, his mother is an Orthodox Christian. His father is an atheist. And um, his parents did uh, have always done a very good job of not imposing their religious beliefs on him. And so, you know, his mother would talk to him about the Christian Orthodox God, and his father would talk to him about how there, it's unlikely that there's an anthropomorphic God. And my nephew, his name is Eric, when he was eight, at some point, he got this bright idea. He asked his father, can you Google if God is real? I think they Googled whether God was real. And I think the first hit was, um, I forget what the name is, but like, uh, like Samantha, do you believe in Santa Claus? That 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 famous letter. Um, anyway, my my brother-in-law relayed this to me, and it was you know everyone had a good laugh. Um, Google will 
yeah, Google will not give you the answer. Um, the fact that there is no answer is actually the answer, and I find that comforting. Um, hi, I have a sister named Mira, and we love to play together.